Hello and thank you for tuning in to the Flatiron Syndicate Motorsports Podcast. This show is brought to you by Flatiron's Tuning, your source for any aftermarket or OEM Subaru parts. Be sure to check out our store at flatironstuning.com and stay tuned with Flatiron's Tuning. Well, welcome back everybody to the Flatiron Syndicate Podcast. We're here in the shop. We've got Dylan with us. We've got a new face who's also named Dylan, uh, another uh, new member of the team that's in, back in the shop. And the, the topic for today is a subject that we've kind of bounced around the shop for the last couple of weeks and decided we, we should just try and make this into a podcast, which is if you if you won the lottery for $35,000 and you're going to buy a car, what would you spend $35,000 on right now? Would you buy something new? Would you buy something used? Like, what would those options be? Um, and I think it's an interesting question because $35,000, that's not a cheap car. That's not a small budget per se. But with the cost of current... Um, current new vehicles. I mean, this is like, I mean, twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars is kind of like the the very minimum budget you'd have to have to get into something new. So thirty-five, it's just it's just a little bit more than that minimum. Um, and then it gets to be a real interesting question of, is there anything new that really grabs your attention at that price point, or are are the used offerings just so much more interesting, so much more enticing? So. Um, We've been, we've been stewing on it over here, and I wonder if some of you at home have been kind of looking at some things in the same budget. So without further ado, what do you guys think? What maybe? So <laughs> to start off, I was like really interested in looking at the cheapest possible cars I could find that had options that I could add that I might get to something that I actually like, right? Okay. Like, I started off looking at weird stuff like Nissan Versas and like, just oh stuff that I was like, oh, like, do they have a turbo motor option? Do they have any kind of premium option? And I was <clears throat> honestly kind of disappointed in that, like, a lot of the cheapest model cars in the market, there just aren't even really great add-ins for, say, like, mm. maybe a brake upgrade or, or, like, oh, the turbo motor that's on the slightly higher trim version of the car you can't get that until you like really jump into like ah, an it's actual It's a big step from car. like the, yeah. the bargain basement to like the mid tier uh-huh. is a big jump. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, can I get the V6 Ultima motor and like, the right. really, really like small tier car. Like right. the like super light compact, but you know, 300 horsepower or something. And there's just, there's really not much when it comes to that. But, yeah. you know, I, we kind of, talked about this and wanted to come at it from the perspective of like this is a car that you might daily yeah. more than necessarily like oh i want a race car for this budget yeah this so, is not a toy car this is something like if you re- really legitimately were having to buy a car that you were going to drive like put like daily drive this thing yeah like so, what would it be not not just a track toy like this is something work. that you're really going to be driving yeah yeah and that's why i kind of started out like oh what what are the cheapest options like bare bones what comes up you know yeah. and some once i sort of worked my way up the market to something that seemed reasonable that was coming in under our budget of 35,000 it got into like some sort of weird options like i was looking at a miata looking at gr86 oh, yeah. or brz cuz yeah. i've kind of been thinking about getting something rear wheel drive as more of a daily for my next car because I do have, like, a pretty easy commute. And mm-hmm. I live in Colorado, but, you know, with good yeah. snow tires, my commute isn't too bad, so I could I could do it. Um, so I was looking at more rear-wheel drive-focused options. Okay. But uh, what I found was, yeah, like, BRZ, Miata, GR86, and I actually came up 
on the cheapest option of like a 2023 Camaro, which surprised me. I was like, okay, what, what's the deal? Like I see a $27,000 price point as like the base option. So I started digging in and like the two liter turbo six speed manual Camaro, just like no options, not spec'd out at all comes in. Like, I think just below 27, but then there's like delivery and dealer fees. So, the you know estimation on the price was like twenty seven thousand fifty dollars or something like That's, that. I mean that would be an interesting car. And for yeah, it's like a two hundred and seventy six horsepower two liter turbo. So it's not like it's, it's not it's not nothing. It's not nothing. You know? Yes, yeah. it's yeah. it's a heavier chassis. I think the curb weight was like thirty two to thirty three hundred pounds, yeah. kind of depending on what your options were. So. You know, you could possibly take some weight out if you really wanted to be, like, track, you know, build with it. Yeah. You could take the rear seats out and do something like that, skim a little weight and maybe have some fun. Um, yeah. But get coming in at, like, 27-ish and maybe some taxes, that kind of leaves a little bit of space to maybe yeah, get a nicer set with... of tires, nicer set of wheels. Yeah. I didn't price out, like, an actual brake upgrade for it. They don't have a package for that, but I'm sure there's probably some kind of brake upgrade you could look at that if might be If you've got, like, 7000 to play with, you should be able to figure out something for brakes if you yeah. need to. Yeah, so but that was my thought. I think the wheels and tires on those base Camaros, they leave a little bit to be desired. Yeah, it's like an 18 yeah. by 85 or 18 by 9, and then okay. I think it's like stepped, like a, it's a little wider in the well, rear. Maybe that's better but... than I was thinking. I was thinking they were like really, like not steelies, but like just like one step beyond steelies. They're 18s now from what I saw. Okay. So they're decent. I was surprised okay. by like 27000 This is like, it's $2,000 less than the BRZ yeah. of like base trim level. Yeah. Um, and the BRZ had, you know, 50-ish less horsepower. It's yeah. a little lighter, too. Okay. But, yeah. you know, that was kind of my debate was I was like, man, if it comes in that much cheaper, if I have a little budget to play with that extra, like, $2,000 from the yeah. BRZ, I could work with some mods and, you know, I've, I have never had a Camaro before, but it, it was like, <laughs> yeah. hmm, maybe that's, that's an option. Yeah. If I was just entertaining, you know, maybe a new rear-wheel drive, cheap car to drive. Um, and you could sometimes take it to the track. You know? Well, and just the fact that it has a turbo engine, you there's a there's a good likelihood that there's going to be some room to play there. Whereas, like that's yeah. the that's one of the hardest questions for me with the BRZ is that are you going to be happy with basically just leaving the engine alone? Because with it being naturally aspirated, like to to make a, a jump up in power, it's a much bigger investment because yeah. you're looking at like a supercharger kit or something along those lines. One thing I didn't really look into too much about the Camaro is, you know, aftermarket upgrades. Yeah. I know some of the domestic manufacturers like Ford and those guys, they actually tend to have some interesting kind of carb approved, like off yeah. the shelf options from like Edelbrock or whoever, you know, yeah, yeah. These, yeah. these very known quantity brands in the U.S. Yeah. that like you might just be able to go and get a Carbio turbo kit for that Camaro now. And like, and, and, you know, awesome. tuner options. Yeah. You know I mean? Because for a while there, the, the turbo Mustangs, which I think was also a 2 liter or maybe it was a 2.3 liter. Yeah, I think they were um, 2 liter. Yeah, I mean, but there's, there was an access port for them. There's there's people yeah. that were having fun with those Mustangs and playing around. So that's, um, yeah, I mean, if it's that, that makes it an interesting comparison to the BRZ, you know. 
and having that it's extra dollars card. to play with too. Yeah. You know, like you said, getting up to thirty five thousand, you know, you still have some leeway. So being able to throw winter tires and new wheels all the way yeah. around, and you know, you probably would still have some extra on top of that that you could look into. You know, maybe even just a downpipe for yeah. you know something. You know, like you said, Ford has Ford Performance that has a lot of you know certified yeah. parts yep. that are very good to run. Um, so I would assume yeah. GM probably has something similar. It's it's interesting, you know, when when we for most of us when when you have a budget, like yeah, I mean, having a little bit of cushion so that you can throw a set of wheels and tires on, or like I know that I'm going to want this, that, or the other, um, so you can f- afford that in the budget. I mean, that's having something that comes in below. Uh, gives you that wiggle room, but yeah, I mean, twenty-seven to thirty-five. There's there's definitely room to play there, but it's like, yeah, there's not a whole lot below that Mm-mm. for something that has a bit of power, a bit of performance that you could maybe have some fun with. Yeah, like, and that was also kind of where I came at it from was I wanted maybe a rear-wheel drive platform because yeah, yeah. I've been thinking about that. Sure. Um, one thing that like Dylan totally surprised me with some of the stuff he found was like the front-wheel drive and sort of all-wheel drive offerings are kind of there. Like, one I saw that I didn't really get super hyped up about was like the Hyundai N-Line, I think it was the Elantra N. Elantra N, yeah. Was 33 or 34, and then you found like a Mercedes, right? Yeah. All right, yeah. What did you find? (laughs) So, um, yeah, there's kind of a lot of options there. Um, But as far as new cars, it is really hard to find something that you know, even is at that $35,000, you know, yeah. and there's, you know, some package options and that kind of thing. Um, you know, like Dylan was saying that, you know, like you can build a BRZ up to about 34 ish if you wanted to, um, you know, adding all the stuff, but there's actually, um, the Mercedes a class, mm-hmm. the base model of that, um, is front wheel drive and comes yeah. in at 33. Yeah. Um, so Which... it's pretty close and the formatic is like, 35,400 or right. something. So, you know, certainly a little bit more. And I'm sure, like Dylan said, with dealer fees and everything. Sure. But um, uh, we'll, we'll let that slide. Yeah, yeah that's we'll that fits. It's pretty yeah. close. So I thought, you know, even for just an entry level Mercedes, that's kind of crazy for a daily driver. Yeah. Um, you know, I. Would, it, would it be any park. fun? Would it be any fun, though? Like, and it is a turbo inline four. Um, so I think with the all wheel yeah. drive, it'd be a little bit better. Sure. But it is a little low on power, um, even compared to the BRZ. I think it was 188. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so it's yeah. pretty low, but it did have um, the seven-speed dual clutch. Right. So... It had like a I weird torque figure, too. It showed uh, yeah. 220 pound-feet of torque from hmm. 1,400 to 4,000 RPM was the figure that it gave oh, on wow. the like oh, chart. Yeah. It, it, I didn't see a dyno graph, but like... You know, it well, probably is a really interesting drive. If it's, it's peaking got that low, so yeah. it's probably like a really small turbo. So maybe, maybe it's going to drive like and feel like it has more power than the number would let on because yeah. it's doing it all before the fifty-two-fifty changeover. Yeah, and the gearing, I'm sure, in yeah. the seven-speed yeah, helps. Speed, but yeah, it, all right. Well, so but would that be your choice then? It, see, that's really hard because personally, I'm not a huge Mercedes person. So right, right, right. there's well, kind of the maintenance and that kind of thing to think about with it is yeah. probably just a little bit more than, you know, obviously like a Toyota or even a BRZ or, right. you know, right. something like that. So I think that's kind of where I yeah. myself would kind of struggle with that um, because I know personally I'd probably go used. 
But yeah, as far as new cars go, I think that'd be definitely in my consideration. It's interesting. Like I think you go into this and like, how much of a cushion do you want to be able to go through and do things, or or do you just spend your whole budget? Do, do you do you buy as much car as you can afford? Like that. Yeah. That's kind of like the first choice that you that you're faced with. And I mean, us being people that tinker with things, like wanting to get in there and having the room to play is 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 appealing but then yeah i mean even used car values are still reasonably high i would say but they're they're not there, there's some some that i found that were lower than i expected ish um the thing i found was it, it's like really inconsistent like right now yeah when i took to facebook marketplace and looking to, for used cars there was like a lot less stuff available than when, say, I was looking at my uh, STI hatchback and yeah. looking at cars in the market. So it seems like you're it's fewer and like more far between, but you'll find some nice options potentially that someone's been like holding out. Yeah, you know? the prices have been a little weird and kind of coming back down a bit. So I, some I think... people are picking up used cars here and there. Some people are holding out and saying, oh, my car is worth a lot more, yeah. and, and you can find a nice specimen. But It would be interesting, you know, you guys in the comments, let us know what you think. But I, I wonder if we're at this tipping point where like, there, was a, there was a period where used car values were just crazy high because new cars, there was production issues, there was the whole, the whole chip thing, chip uh, shortage that was preventing new cars from being made. Um, the prices all went up. And, and so then kind of like because all the new car prices went up, it seems like used car prices jumped up as well. Um, but now it seems like things are correcting a little bit. So like there's some, maybe some of the listings that are older or people that are just holding out for somebody that like maybe they've got some rare configuration or, or something like that. And they're just going to hold out for that extra $5,000. But there's more people that are just getting in for like, just, just want to move away from the car, pricing it lower. And so there's, there's value there. Um, one of the things I was, so an STI hatch is one of the things that I looked at and I figured, I figured that there would be options under 35 K and fortunately there were. Um, so last year of the STI hatch was 2014. I was trying to kind of look between 2010, 2011 and 2014. And there are a handful of them out there with, you know, definitely over a hundred thousand miles, well below Heck, well below 30. Some of those were in like the 20s. Mm -hmm. And I think one of them I found was a 20. There's one that I found was like 70, 75,000 miles for, I think it was 25. And then there was one, there's one that had like really low miles. It was something like 20,000 miles. Uh, but they wanted, uh, I think they wanted 39 for it. Wow. Which, yeah, that, that seems a little bit of a stretch. Maybe that's one of those listings that's been out there for a handful of months and things are kind of correcting. But then I was just like, would I, would I really want to get basically a 10-year-old STI for, let's call it 25, and then have 10 to play with? I mean, that, I, I don't know, that there's part of me that like that's really appealing, kind of hits that sweet spot. But then my thought was, well, well what else is out there? And... Um, well, and, and then new. Like, I mean, so it's, Dylan, you sound like you were looking at new mostly. I, as far as new goes, you know, I ended up settling on the Camaro just because yeah. of price. And, like, I'm sure there's probably some available right. pretty quick because it's Chevy. Like, yeah. you know, you're not going to have trouble finding a base model Camaro if you right. just, like, call a few dealerships for the most part. Um, as far as used goes, 
I found a couple of things that I ended up looking at. Like, around here on Facebook, I found some guy. He had a, I think it was a 2022 uh, Audi A4 turbo. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like 34999 was what right, he had right. it listed for. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was like... I mean, it's. I think it was fifteen thousand miles on the car, twenty twenty two A four turbo, which I think it's in the forties. I forget what the list price yeah. was. Okay. So yeah. that was one thought. Was like my comfort used option was that seems like a great like middle ground. It's got some power. It's going to be real comfortable. Well, I could it's, modify it's it. It's used, but like just barely. Yeah, just barely yeah. used. Yeah. It's a great chassis. Um. So that was one I found. And then mm-hmm. I started going down the rabbit hole of importers. And oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was getting excited. I was like, hmm, with $35,000, you could get some pretty right. cool explain, import yeah, Explain what you mean by looking at importers. <laughs> so, like, uh, RevHard Motors is a company here in Colorado or, like, top-rank vehicle importers. And these are basically companies that go out to Japan or, or you know, really anywhere in the world to find import vehicles They'll purchase them there, sometimes even hold them in storage for years there until they're mm-hmm. ready to import to the U.S. So, so it, in these cars, I think right now it's 25 years. So mm-hmm. once a car is 25 years old, then you can legally import it, register it, and drive it on the street here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, geez, what is 25 years? Let's just call it basically 2024. So in 2024, 25 years old would be... Yeah, 1999. 1999. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Um, so yeah, these companies basically like top rank RevHard, they've got tons of options available of like really cool old import cars that are usually pretty well maintained, sub 150,000 kilometers typically, sometimes yeah. a little higher if it's like a really nice car. So I started looking down that rabbit hole because I was like, well, you know, if I'm thinking about use like... I would love to daily like a GTST or something. <laughs> like, right. that'd be cool. Yeah. So, um, I think I found a couple of options. There was like a Chaser that was a, a weird one. It was a yeah, that's cool. Two hundred thousand kilometer Chaser had like a front mount intercooler, yeah. and a bunch of mods, but it was really clean. Had like a body kit, and it was I think like thirty four something or thirty five. Wow. Okay, I was blown away by the price. I was like, man. I would be, <laughs> like, in love with that car, but maintaining it and dailying it would be, like, yeah, just I, absurd, I feel like. It, like would you would you want and... to daily a 25-year-old Japanese market-only vehicle? Uh-huh. This is, <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I suspect that there's probably people that are doing it now. Oh, definitely. Uh, I think there's probably, especially, yeah. like, being able to go back to 99, buy some of these Halo cars, Dream cars, whatever, and bring them over, boy, that's going to be tempting. It's like um, one of those like dream yeah. experiences where I feel like I have this very like perfect image of my in my head of it, mm-hmm. but then you you're gonna end up getting in that car and like rattling it to pieces as you're daily driving over your railroad tracks and whatever yeah, on yeah. your drive to work. So, so have, have <laughs> either of you guys ever have either of you guys ever owned and driven a car with either a JDM engine or a JDM import? No, no, I have not. Okay, so way back, way back. I did have an SR20 swapped yeah. S13 that I that I dailyed for about two years, and it was a lot of fun. But I, one of the main motivations I had in selling it was, like, just finding parts was mm. just the nightmare. Just yeah. enough of a problem that I just did not want. It was not worth it to me to deal with, like, 
anything. I, I never had any uh, catastrophic failure in the car. Um, but it was just like, I knew that I could not get parts easily. Yeah. Yeah, and this was an issue. It's like you're waiting weeks, potentially, if you even find what you need to fix yeah. the issue. I could only imagine. And that's a popular <laughs> platform and a popular engine. I mean, you well, know, you and, and it was. That this was more rare. Gosh, <laughs> this was this this is very long time ago. This was in the early 2000s because this was. Let's see. Yeah, this is probably from 2003 to 2005 is when I is when I had this car. But yeah. Um, so it was, there was, there was, there were JDM importers, there were some shops on the internet that were stocking some of the parts for the car. Um, the rumor was, oh, there's a lot of crossover because the, the Sentra SCR has an SR20 engine in it too, there's a lot of parts. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, so the guys at the local Nissan dealership did not like me because I kept ordering things thinking, oh, this will be the same, and go like, this is not the same. <laughs> Taking it back, oh, sorry. Man. Um, so the parts were there, and, and like eBay was a good resource at the time, but just... Yeah. Now, one cool thing is like RevHard, for example, uh, they are starting to offer like a service program after yeah. you buy a car oh, too, nice. where, you know, you can maintain it with them and they'll source parts for you typically. So yeah. it's coming around, I think, a little bit. There's more support. But, you know, I was looking at it's, that Chaser and it's like, the th it's 35 for the Chaser. And I'm like, yeah. damn, I was thinking about a Camaro with budget on top. So I don't <laughs> right, know how much right, this right. seems like. Which is, yeah. which is brand, basically yeah. brand, well, it is brand new. Yeah. And it's like. Or 200,000 kilometer Chaser with a sick front mount and a body kit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Probably a bigger maintenance. <laughs> and and <laughs> there, we're seeing more and more people that are starting to import those early impressive WRXs and STIs. Because, yeah. I mean, yeah, geez, think about a 99 STI. But would you yeah. would you want a ninety nine SCI maybe Type RA something like that like that would be mm -hmm. kind of fantastic yeah Wyatt over at the dealership he just got one actually I'm yeah. pretty sure oh, nice. um, yeah so there's they're becoming available and but with parts so thankfully we work with Roger Clark Motorsports who has a lot of experience working on those older <laughs> two liter um, platforms two liter yeah. platforms the the twenty G the twenty K um, they have a lot of part support for them. They're coming out with a lot of the Subarus discontinued a lot of things for these cars, and they're coming out with like some of the more critical replacement parts. Um, they have a coil on plug adaption, so you can go from just like the single coil to driving you know spark plug wires. You can convert them to coil on plug for some of those um, earlier STIs, which is I think pretty a pretty trick mod for them, timing kits and that sort of thing. But there are a lot of things that are discontinued. Um, air conditioning. Yeah, if your AC doesn't work, that's that's unless you can find a used compressor, you're Good probably luck. kind of stuck. Yeah, it's um, going to be some kind of aftermarket setup, you know, figuring yeah, something I mean, there's, out. Yeah, there's a not. handful of people, I think there's two or three people that have got, in in the area that have got them in, um, brought them to shops, AC doesn't work, they need a, they need a new compressor, they they've somehow find us, we run it through the, the, the chain and try and find out what's available. Oh yeah, it's all discontinued. Like, okay, no. And I think power steering pumps too are a lot of them I think are getting discontinued, which I guess is not terribly surprising getting, you know, twenty-five to thirty-year-old cars. I mean yeah. Yeah. but it's it's that that is one of those key things of like, yeah, if you're gonna buy like a, a ninety-eight STI in, in your Wanda Daily yeah, there's there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of stuff that you can do, like regular maintenance stuff, we can certainly help with that, but then there's gonna be certain hard parts that if they break 
it's gonna it's gonna be something that's a challenge. I mean that was that was one of the realizations that I had. It's like that's the difference between driving a brand new Camaro and a, a 25 year old Toyota Chaser. It's like okay, well you you have a problem with your Camaro, you can take it into a shop, a dealership, whatever. Mm-hmm. The and parts are probably warranty. yeah they're probably gonna be, well and and the parts are probably gonna be on the shelf. It's something where the car's hopefully gonna be down for a day or two. Worst case, whereas if you're going to have to source some kind of part from Japan. Yeah. You got to bring your car to Redmart, leave it with them for a couple of weeks while they figure out what they need, or get more. it from somebody. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you it, or know. like if you got to try and find something used on eBay, maybe you have to order in two or three of the parts until you find one that's actually mm-hmm. in good enough shape that it actually does function. I mean, it's, it's like the downtime can, can really stretch. So it's like if it's going to be your only car, like that's a critical consideration. And unfortunately, there's not a lot. Um, of those cars that, you know, it's like, yeah, you can get a Supra and they have all kinds of support everywhere, you know, right. for something like that. But, you know, especially when you get into, you know, like a 99 type RA or, you know, something that's a little more unique like that. It's yeah. not like, you know, even the major aftermarket companies may not have, you know, the things yeah. to kind of support it, which is very fair. When well, <laughs> it was a JDM only or yeah. Euro only car. And actually come to think of it, so... The, uh, the Type RAs, 98, and uh, maybe, I can't remember how far back it went. Those were the STIs that had the five-speed transmission, but they had the DCCD, the thumbwheel DCCD. Mm-hmm. And I think it went back for a couple of years. But, like, so those those cases, the, the 98 and older five-speed cases are different than the 99 and newer five-speed cases. And so they, there's different gear sets like the, the first generations versus the second generation, the first generation five-speed cases, the vast majority of the, the thing, the parts for those cases, I believe, are discontinued. Like those, uh, the DCCD, the, the thumbwheel DCCD for the five-speed case, all that stuff is long gone. So it's one of those, like, you get the car and it has this cool function, awesome. But if anything goes wrong, like now... Maintaining yeah, it has become it, a nightmare. It, it's, yeah, it's... <laughs> It would be, I just don't think I could daily drive the thing. I think knowing yeah. how much miles you know, you'd put on in a year, boy, yeah, just, yeah. There's so many things that could go wrong where, like, now the car's gonna going to sit until you find a solution for much longer. Yeah, being the person that I am, I don't think I would end up keeping a car like that, like, OEM plus, as they say. Like, yeah, I would yeah. end up just modifying it to the point where parts are accessible here, like, and that's that's a long road for that a vehicle is. like that, like you know, taking and it to an wanna, ad, yeah. Would you want to do it? Exactly. I mean, like, let's say you get an SCI, a real deal SCI Type RA, that everything is in good shape and everything works. Like that is there. There's a lot of us that would want something like that. It's gonna. It's becoming something of a collector's piece, mm-hmm. right? If but if you if you modernize it, like, geez, at this point, can we even call it a resto mod? <laughs> The modifications almost improve the reliability and give you more parts. I mean, you could put in a modern engine, a modern transmission, and drivetrain so that now, like for, for all those critical running components, you have good part selection. Yeah, I mean, this goes back to what we talked about in one of the other podcasts. Like, Subaru, it would be so cool if Subaru offered, like, a crate motor program with, yeah. like, a modern yeah. motor drivetrain. Especially like with generation-correct stuff. Mm-hmm. Because then, then you could buy the STI Type Array. You could basically put in new engine and drivetrain, 
Yeah, like but it would it would still updated, be correct. You know, version four, version six, crate motor or something. Yeah, and that would yeah. be crazy. <laughs> and so then that would that would I think that would there would be a demand for the original, like something that's like really really original. But there would be a demand for those Rustamon cars for sure. And if everything is generation correct, I think that they could both grow in value equivalently. But like, if you if you put in a, a modern U.S. spec engine and transmission, one of these older cars, at that point, really, it's just right-hand drive versus left-hand drive. Like, it, yeah. the, the, I think the uniqueness um, would come down a little bit, though, as, as we've also talked about, it's hard to find GC chassis that are clean and straight and, and all yeah. these sorts of yeah. things. I mean, there's there, there maybe would be a little bit more to it, but I don't know. It's hard to know, like, what kind of, like, I guess, would you be shooting yourself in your foot if you did that? For like five years down the road, where if you would have just left it alone, now the car is maybe worth gone up fifty percent in value, yeah. or now it's actually you, you've eroded a good chunk of the value because you took out all the original stuff. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, it's tough with that type of thing. I think if I was you know buying it as a driver car, you know, with a collector vehicle like that, that would be my mentality of like. I'm buying this for myself because I want to drive this chassis. Right. And I'm going to modify it so that I can maintain it, but I'm not keeping this as like a collector car. Yeah, and if I sure. was buying, you know, one of these import cars as a collector car, it would just be a whole different mentality of like this thing lives in a garage. I think and I like yeah, spray yeah. it with a humidifier yeah. every day. You and... have to make that choice going in. You have to know what you want out of this car because if it's really a daily driver, like you cannot think of it as a collector's piece yeah. because man, you're going to get yourself in some some difficult situations. Yeah. I would imagine down the road because you know something breaks. Ah, do I go with a quick quick fix because I need to get my car working again, or do I wait, you know, and find power steering pump or something like that that is more correct? Yeah, I think that's kind yeah. of an unspoken decision that a lot of people looking at those chassis really have to make for themselves. It's kind of I, like I really think that the majority of people that are buying those cars now it's because it's their dream car. It's a halo mm -hmm. car. It's super cool. It's something that they've always wanted, and it's not a daily yeah. driver. I know a few people in my friend circles who have bought them and are daily in them, and more power to you. Like, that's yeah, fucking sure. awesome. Like, yeah. state Gia's and stuff like that, yeah. just driving them on the daily. It's just, like, the thought of, like, trying to source parts, like yeah. you're saying, scares me to the point where if I was to do that, you know, I would, base if I bought an old Type RA, I would just try and gut it. Get as much yeah. modern USDM stuff that we have access to in there, and yeah. then try to figure out a way to emissions compliance. <laughs> I, I think I think both would be fun options. Yeah. It's just you kind of have to decide which path you want to go down, and yeah. and, and probably best to make that decision pre-purchase versus yes. like get the car in hand and go like, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. Well, and the other thing to think and kind of you know bit of my background too is the body parts. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. if you're dailying something, you need to be okay with the rock chips on your front bumper. You need to be okay yeah. that if you get a little crack in it, they don't make them anymore. It's right. not something that you can go repair a plastic bumper yeah. all the time. So And a lot of the pieces of the bumper, because a lot of those yes. earlier SCIs, they had different fog lights, fog light covers, mm -hmm. um, turn signals. Like, like there's a lot of little, little pieces also <laughs> on the bumper that yeah. are going to be hard to... I think you could source them, but it's it's going to be a little bit more challenging. And especially, yeah, you know, you get into those really rare models, you know, even that Chaser, you know, you have a body kit or something on it, hopefully they still make the body kit, yeah. hopefully that company's <laughs> Probably around. Not. You know, Probably and, not. So yeah. you really get into, like, 
you need to be okay with using the car every yeah. single day and what's going to happen to it. For sure. You know, replacing a windshield isn't yeah. something that you always worry about until it's a thousand dollars to get one from you know oh, overseas that's low. somewhere. I bet you, I bet you yeah a wind holy oh, jeez yeah so. I bet a Jap- <laughs> importing a Japanese windshield would be not cheap. I bet you'd be two grand. Yeah, I, I haven't priced it out. We'll I have can't. to see. Let us know in the comments below well, if you've yeah. had to replace a windshield <laughs> or like a weird large panel. Jeremy, on Jeremy was asking cars. about the SVX windshield because they, I think they might still have some in Japan, but there's none. It's been oh, discontinued man. in the U.S. and it was like, it was it was a lot. That's Shipping crazy. So Roger Clark like saw one in stock and they were like, no, no, no. it out for us. I think, no, I can't remember all the details. I think Jeremy had actually found one or oh, knew, knew of a way to get it from Japan, but it still had to come through, and it was just like, and, yeah. and something like a piece of glass mm-hmm. shipped, shipped overseas. Like, like, they oh, probably man. make you sign a waiver yeah. that says, like, yeah. oh, yeah, no no go. If it breaks, it breaks. Sorry, yeah. buddy. Which, yeah. what I do, hope that forklift driver is real careful. All of them. All yeah. of the forklift drivers. Every single one of them from, from point A to point B. Yeah. yeah. All right, so so let me ask. Let's go back to new because the new WRX and the new BRZ were on my list, and they're real close to the top. Now, now the BRZ for twenty twenty four, the interesting wrinkle that they've done with that car, and we, it's relevant to our last podcast. Eyesight is now standard, yeah. but what that did is that bumped the price across the models for the BRZ about fifteen hundred two thousand dollars, but. The, the TS, the BRZ TS, is 36. So it, it's just over budget, but it's close. Mm-hmm. That was that was high on my list because that's kind of the perfect BRZ. Like, it's got the suspension. It's got the brakes. It, it's, it's, I mean, I think it looks really good. It's very cool. It's just over budget. But, I mean, would that would that be the one? Let, let's, let's just say it was 35. Let's say you're a really good negotiator. And you could get somebody to, to take pity on you or whatever and, and sell you a, a TS, BRZ TS for 35 Would that check all the boxes, like, compared to your, your Camaro? Or is it just a little bit too expensive at, at that thirty thirty five $36,000 price point? I think it depends what you want. If you want a lighter car that has not necessarily a ton of horsepower, but is just a good driver... That's a really great option, for yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I also noticed with the Camaro, going into 2024, there was a, a jump in price, just like the BRZ, mm. but that's because they actually stopped offering the 2-liter turbo uh, like combination that oh. I was looking at. That was only a 2023 package. Oh boy. 24 is they're all V6 and up. Like, it's V6, mm. V8, and, and greater displacement. Mm. <laughs> you know, mm. um, So, it's all like changing i guess in that respect like it seems like a lot of these base models are going up in price just in general across which, the board which is kind of crazy yeah. as it is yeah. but yeah but like you know comparing say even the v6 camaro with like around 300 horsepower i think that gets a bump from the four-cylinder turbo it's like still kind of a hard sell for me with the brz because i'm sure there's like some camaro packages that have little you know bits and bobs upgraded to or we were talking about like a Mustang at one point, like the five O base model is pretty cheap, but with like a brake package, I think that's also around thirty five too. Yeah, it's yeah. really close. Yeah. And again, you have all the aftermarket support with those too. So that's kind of the other thing is if you know 
us wanting to tinker, you know, that's kind of, I think all of us are kind that's of in huge. that boat. Um, yeah. You know, getting a BRZ that is at that limit already and, you know, oh, I do want to throw on new wheels or, you know, yeah. winter tires or there's, you know, oh, I want to get a lip or something, you know, that one little thing that you want to add is, you know, you have more to do with the Camaro or that kind of thing. But well, the, the advantage uh, of the BRZ TS to me is it has yeah, everything is there except for maybe, I mean, maybe it really is just tires mm-hmm. or maybe just wheels and tires. But I mean, it, yeah. the, the, the Brembo brakes on that are perfectly sufficient. I mean, a set of brake pads and you can, you can track the snot out of that car. You're going to be in good shape. It's way lighter than the Camaro or the yeah. Mustang or any yeah. of these other, you know. And I love the interior of the BRZ, the way that the BRZ felt to drive. And the, it, you don't have the giant screen. Mm-hmm. I, boy, I think I'm. I think it still doesn't have the giant screen. I really hope it doesn't. It's it's not too big from what I remember. The 2023 that we looked at. Yeah, it was I, fairly fairly small infotainment. With yeah, some it was switches just and stuff. It was more normal. It felt like. I mean, it feels like a driver's car. It's not like it doesn't have the fancy gizmos. I mean, there there's a huge. There was a real draw, to me for that car. But I don't think. Could you get a base BRZ? Yes, and still have enough money to put some brakes on it. Yes, but like I kind of. I think for me, I would, it would be worth the stretch to get the TS mm-hmm. because yeah. it's the TS, but then it was over budget. And so it was like, ah, oh, nuts. So like, I can't, and, and the other, the other deal breaker for me, like rear wheel drive, I think I could live with it. I mean, I have a rear wheel drive car. I've had rear wheel drive cars, but it's, it is definitely a limiting factor here in the snow. Yeah. Um, but the two doors is, is the tricky part for me. Mm-hmm. Like I like the BRZ cause it's got the hatch. So like, getting things like chaser man yeah well well, i came up with another option but like to me the size of the brz that's the other that's the other kicker i I think camera might be a little bit bigger but it doesn't have a hatch does it it's just Uh, a camaro is a two-door as well obviously it's just the coupe um it does have just a small trunk so it would be pretty limited on space it'd be probably comparable to the brz maybe a little more so that and that's yeah. like daily driving something like that like you you know you could, okay you could probably put a rack on it take a bike to a to a trailhead or something like that if you, if you really needed to but like there's like what you're doing with the car for the most most part like it's not going to be you're not going to be hauling stuff yeah that's where yeah. the wrx like the 22 plus wrx's really are appealing as a daily like for me driving it down to colorado springs for that event and all that super comfortable rode great had quiet ride 100 and then like so you get the wrx base which is like i want to say 32 now and i I don't know if they've added eyesight as a standard on that yet i can't remember i i couldn't find anything at least i don't i can't remember it but i think you'd have enough room i know the flex fuel's coming Base WRX with flex fuel, like that would be an ab- absolute yeah. kick in the pants. You'd be at like three hundred horsepower most likely or more, uh, depending on how much you're pushing it. And you have the usability. And you have all wheel drive. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a stand there. It is definitely nice. It's comfortable to drive. It's spacious. It's a nice interior. It would you would to have it to fit in the budget. It would have to be pretty much the base model. You, yeah. you can't get something fancy like the TR right out. Um, but like that's that's the thing is like okay you put the flex fuel on flex fuel on you're at kind of the peak of your budget. You haven't done brakes. You haven't done wheels and tires. Like I think for for just strictly daily driving you'd be okay. 
But if you start, if you really wanted to start playing with the car, mm-hmm. that's where, that's where it's again, it, it's a bit of a conundrum because, for for driving on the street, it would be an absolute blast. It'd be a great car. But if you wanted to play with it, you, all of a sudden, you'd be having to save up and, and put get a lot of things you know, to add. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's where I really run into the issue of the used cars too, because mm-hmm. the used car prices are right now at a point where you can find that unique stuff yeah. and still have a little bit of budget. Um, yeah. Like I know, kind of a weird one, but I like Mini Coopers quite a bit, sure, especially sure. the first generation when they brought them back under BMW. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was looking and I saw, I think it was, I can't remember if it was an 05 or an 06 um, Mini Cooper that was the John Cooper Works oh, GP yeah. version. Yeah. Um, so the GP is, you know, their kind of actual race version of mm-hmm. it. So, you know, it still has all the cool John Cooper work stuff, sure. but it has all the carbon fiber. They tear out the rear seats and it has a strut bar instead. Like, yeah. It, it's pretty cool. And they're a um, supercharged inline four. Four, yeah. The first one. It's uh, 1.8 liter. Yep. Um, and I know, I believe it's with the... So there's usually like three stages for those superchargers. The like 13, 15, and 19% reduction pulleys mm-hmm. um, are kind of one of the major ones. Yeah. And usually with those, people are looking mid-200s for horsepower and still usable. Yeah. You know, it's not oh, yeah. like you're... <laughs> well, all right. So the question is, all right, what what did you, what was this going for? Uh, 22. And that That's was the hard lot. thing. That's a lot. And if it's got yeah. all of that deleted stuff, would you really daily drive it? Well, and that's the thing is, personally, I have a bit of a drive in the morning. So, yeah. you know, I have about an hour that yeah, yeah. I get to use my car sure, is sure. the way I like to think of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I get to drive some back roads and stuff that, you know, it's not like I'm all interstate driving just in yeah. a straight line or something. So, you know, something like that that is a little bit more playful, I think, yeah. is kind of worth it. Um, you know, like a BRZ or something is going to yeah. be a little bit more entertaining for that. But yeah. It is something that, you know, you still have the upgrade or the ability to do the upgrades and the money for it. So that's true. You know, if you really wanted to go crazy, you kind of could, but it already is at a point where, you know, if you just wanted to do breaks and, you know, oh, throw a new entertainment system or something like that and just a bunch of all the maintenance stuff, like you could be still under 35 and have quite a car. It was. I had a friend that had one of those, uh, actually Sweet House, that used, was with us before. Um, he had one of those, uh, just just the, the regular Mini, mm-hmm. not, not anything fancy like the Cooper Works. That thing, it it really was a go-kart. I would say, yeah. like, for, for winters, it was maybe a touch on the low side. So Yeah, I can see that. But, like, the handling of that car was, it was crazy. And you're still getting a six-speed, which, yep. you know, again... For us is probably yeah. important. Maybe not for everybody. But... There was there were some weird maintenance issues on that car, mm. but yeah. But like for the most part, I mean, it was yeah. I mean, it's something that you can have fun. Like if you've got a, a long-ish commute every day that is on some fun roads, you would probably have a blast in a Mini Cooper. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you got a, you got a rear hatch, even even in the standard cars that had the rear seat. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't even think of this, but yeah. Why? 
Like, it's, <laughs> it's so yeah. small. You yeah. already have the two doors anyway. I don't like, know many people that could fit back you there. Can, yeah, you can get into the back seat. You're just going to have to remove your legs. Yes. Right? And, exactly. and most of us can't do that. So, like, why, why did you even do that? Yeah. And you just and curl so, up and grab the strut bar in the back. Yeah. You probably would have more room. Yes. Yeah, and, and actually, the strut bar, you got something to hold on to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, it, it, it's actually a win-win. So that oh, does make good. some sense. And if you want to throw some groceries in there, you actually could. You that know, is true. That's something that's true. You know, yeah, it does have a little bit more room than yeah. even a standard you know, yeah. Mini Cooper S even. <laughs> Hatches are cool, for sure. Ah, uh, that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, it's, so for me, when we were talking about this, I just threw out, I've always wanted a, a, a dual-clutch car, a PDK mm-hmm. car. Okay, well, are, all, are there options in this price point? And you guys were like, oh, Macan, Porsche yeah. Macan. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I, under 35, I was hesitant. I doubted mm-hmm. it, but I looked, and yeah, yeah there are ones. actually options. Turbo Macan, with with the the flappy panels, the dual clutch, seventy. I think I found one with seventy five thousand miles on it for thirty, and then there were okay. some with even higher miles that were you know in touching into the twenties. Mm-hmm. It's for me that checks pretty much every single box. It's yeah. all wheel drive. It is it is turbo. They're they're a little bit on the heavy side, but I mean they got power and you've got the the eight speed dual clutch. I mean that would be cool. Yeah. It's got the rear hatch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we I mean, were talking earlier. It's like the evolution of the STI hatchback. It's like <laughs> true. the or, big brother or whatever you want to call well, it. Well, like. for me, it's like it's like the the grown up version of the WRX mm-hmm. like wagon. Yeah. Right? Because like very similar silhouettes. Like it's actually yeah. the the one drawback would be it's very similar in size to the WRX wagon. Like the, there's a back seat. There's four doors, but like. Backseat for kids, no problem at all. Backseat for full-grown adults over six feet tall, mm. how long? It's a squeeze. Yes. You know, you could do yeah. it. You could do it. Like, if, hey, we're going up, you know, five minutes up the street, no problem. Hey, we're, we're going to drive for si- the next 16 oh, hours. <laughs> like, you you head out. I'm going to get a plane ticket. I'll just meet you there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to sit in the backseat for hours and hours on end. Well, um, and that's actually a really interesting question. I'd be curious if Porsche has any, like... OEM plus kind of parts, you know, and I know that's Cobb typically more for their nine access ports or yeah. cons for sure. There's access yeah. ports yeah. and okay. definitely some off the shelf tunes. Yeah. So, yeah, you there's even there's possibility there, and it, mm-hmm. and actually you'd have a little bit of playroom. I don't think it would be something that I would track necessarily, but I do know yeah. at least one of my friends that has tracked one and was very impressed with. I mean, Porsche does not build a car that doesn't handle well, yeah. like. So, I mean, I, I think you could do it if you wanted to. And, like, at the price point, so, so like, I'm not spending every penny that I have, yeah. at least not yet, because, like, the, the concern <laughs> that I have with the Porsche is, like, okay, something does happen. Yeah. How you much is that going to any cost? mods, you keep that 5000 on reserve. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Parts are available, but they're yeah. going to be just as expensive as importing them. The extra budget is just prepaying for the repairs. Yeah. You know, that, that's the concern. But, I, again, I mean, they, they do have the reputation of late of being much more reliable, so maybe maybe that wouldn't bite you. Um, yeah. It'd be a good just, option, regardless. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like I said, I was looking at that Audi A4 for 35 and, you know, that's one of those things where while it's working great, it's awesome, but with the yeah. maintenance bills, it's going to yeah. be and, well yeah. into the 40s pretty quick if something happens. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's, I mean, back to, back to Subarus for a second. It, like, if you look at the WRX, maybe, like, let's see, let's see if we leave the flex fuel off, but just the new, new, new WRX versus a used Macan turbo. Oof. Like that's, yeah, it's almost not hard. I mean, I, I, I 
if you need the space, the Macan is better. If if you're not scared about working on German cars, maybe that tips things to, to the Macan a little bit more. If you just want something that's brand spanking new, the WRX is, is a fun car to drive. It'll put a smile on your face. Maybe you'll lean in that direction. It's it's interesting to me, like the ascent like flickered through my mind for a second. I was like, <laughs> uh, CVT. Yeah. And but it's like if if the if the ascent didn't have a CVT. If there's a manual transmission option for the for the ascent, yeah, that would be that would be. Well, it wouldn't be exactly like a Macan comparison, but it would be way closer. Like mm -hmm. the fact that that's only an, um, a CVT transmission. It just I think it's just much more of a utilitarian car, and and would you drive a car with CVT? And, and sure, you can upgrade the CVT. You know they sell. Performance ones, I'm gonna say. Yeah. But is that really something you want to do on a brand new car as well? You know, is that? Yeah. So. Yeah. That's well, and the other piece. Subaru says that they keep getting better. I hope that they do, but I know, well, I, I, to, to my understanding, like there's not been huge leaps and bounds. I think the current ascents are way better than the first generation, yeah. or the first couple of years. But it, it like from, to, like for for all the people at Subaru that are watching this. That 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 uh, reliance on the CVT only it just kind of really does make looking at some of those Subarus it, it's like it, you only can come at it with one mindset like you, the, the yeah. scent and like the Outback Turbo even the Forester Sport even the Forester yeah I drive one myself or I would yeah. love a new Forester that'd be yeah. great but the only one I could even really consider is a Wilderness and yeah. that's still CVT so the thing yeah. I want to know. Is like now that there's the WRX GT, Subaru is like touting that this is their new performance CVT. But I feel like yeah. even as like parts guys who talk about Subarus all the time, we haven't really heard a lot of details about like what they did that's really improving it or like yeah what it's actually doing. You know, I've just seen mm -hmm. like rev match downshifting and stuff like that, and I'm it's I guess kind of cool it sounds like they're adding some features to these like transmissions to make them feel more sporty yeah but i would love yeah. to know like what engineering they're doing to actually make them like hold more power or be more reliable because yeah i've known many people who've had everything from like na imprezas to cvt wrx's and have heard of many issues with warranties yeah and, you know, cars stalling randomly and having to get, you know, torque converters replaced. It's just all kinds of stuff. And it just yeah. blows me away. <laughs> I I mean, there's not a whole lot to them to an extent. There's there's a lot of different CVT fluids. I think Subaru now has four different ones. Wow. And it depends on the car which fluid you're supposed to get. And I think the primary difference between these fluids is the coefficient of friction. Mm -hmm. Like there's there's more more friction in the in the turbo cars, like because they need it. Yeah. So I think that's one of it. And then there is a mechanism to uh, adjust or maintain belt tension in the transmission. Mm -hmm. And so you can actually basically have the belt pulled or squeezed more mm -hmm. um, onto the drums to get to work. I guess I mean doing really that, that's kind of that's kind of <laughs> All you can do. As far as I know, like, those are those are really yeah. your options. Um, I just I, I guess my point there is is that I mean if they had another option if they would if they would just look at something that wasn't exact wasn't only a CVT, yeah. I think it would open the door on like these platforms like the Ascent, the Outback Turbo, Outback Wilderness, where it would just 
it would be more appealing to more people if there was more drivetrain choices than just CVT, period, end of discussion. Yeah. Um, I mean, and there are some advantages with CVT, especially like mileage. I mean, mm-hmm. um, for a couple of years ago for Pikes Peak, we had an Outback, just a standard Outback with CVT that was the, the runaround car, and I was stunned how fuel efficient that car was. It was not like a fun car, performance car, but like if you're if you're commuting a lot, like yeah, especially with an all-wheel drive car, like that efficiency is kind of a next level thing. That's great. They're also kind of surprising at like low speed. The CVTs are fairly torquey and take off quick because they can have, have really really short gear ratios. Yeah, yeah, we had that cross trek in the shop, and I was blown away by like the first gear takeoff in that yeah. car. Feels pretty mm-hmm. good. It's not yeah. terrible. Obviously, it's then just like a slush of like, as you're shifting from there. Right. But the you know the CPTs have some interesting potential. It seems like with the gear ratios, you know, you can do a lot. It's just you got to really tune that, and I don't know how much. I get why Subaru does it. (laughs) I I understand the advantage of it from an all-wheel drive, for an all-wheel drive platform, from an efficiency standpoint. But there's like. From an enthusiast standpoint, or for like anybody that wants to do a little bit more with the car, like having like an eight-speed automatic. If they had an eight-speed automatic, yeah, or something like that, that was just like a traditional automatic that was more robust. That that like you can you know you can throw a little bit more at these turbocharged cars. We know what you know what the potential is in the um, in the WRX. Well, the Ascent has basically the same engine, just like the Outback. But you're, you know, if you if you wanted to reflash these, you can get this potential out of the new WRX. Yeah, not not a problem. You got a manual transmission, you know, and, and I guess you could do it with the CVTs. But the CVTs are definitely more limiting. I would be hesitant on a bigger, heavier car like an Ascent to like turn like up the, the Outback Wildernesses. Yeah. I mean, there's multiple cars that have this same engine platform in them now. Yeah. So, so you know that the power potential is there, but with the CVT drivetrain, and, and because they're bigger and heavier. Like, the WRX with the CVT reflashed in the ECU to make a bit more power, but it weighs 3,200 pounds. Well, that's way different than taking an ascent, which weighs, I think they're like four? Something maybe like over that, four? Yeah, slightly. Sure. I mean, it's, it's the ascent's heavy. a big car. It's a big car. It makes it much less tempting to play with those because, you know, the, the drivetrain is a little bit wonky. Yeah. And do you really want to turn the wick up versus something like a Macan Turbo, where there's a lot of power to be had there also, but you know you've got the drivetrain that can handle it, yeah. you know, very, very easily. You know the transmission is probably pretty well overbuilt in the Macan right. versus yeah. Yeah, no doubt. the yeah. Subaru yeah. CVT, which always seems to be stretched to the end of its life. Like, right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. And another thing, too, is I believe it was the Crosstrek was offered um, in the 5-speed, yeah. And I know that's right now a really coveted option um, yeah. for like the overlanding kind of group. Yep. Because, you know, having that, you know, flexibility when you are doing that is yeah. huge. And the Crosstrek yeah. as a platform is massive. So, yeah. you know, seeing that in a wilderness edition, you know, the Outback or any of them really, yeah. you know, even an automatic would be really cool for something like that because for they sure. are trying to do something a little bit unique with these. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're, they're, they're surprisingly capable cars, especially yeah. the wilderness versions of the series. They're surprisingly capable. And, and I know that there's, it's not going to be everybody, but there's going to be some people that buy them because they are so capable. 
Yeah. But like, there's I mean there's there's a little bit of weirdness in driving a CVT car. Um, it's know, not as appealing. Yeah, I know the old four EATs and five EATs had their own issues too. Like I used yeah. to drive a four EAT WRX, and I know your Forester is so. I would be interested to hear from someone more on like the engineering side from Subaru, like, oh, these are the statistics we got for like four EAT yeah. and five EAT failures, and versus yeah. the CVTs of a you know a similar year span, like how That's that compares. Point. Because yeah, you know, I, everybody definitely talks down on the old automatics too. So you know, that's not to yeah, say yeah. that Subaru hasn't had other problems in the past. You can bulletproof like a forty AT now mm-hmm. a little better than the CVTs, yeah. as far as we're aware. Well, and the technology for automatic <clears throat> transmissions has really come a long way in like the last five to seven years. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kia has dual clutch transmissions going into their Seltos now. Like yeah. the mm-hmm. crossover SUVs with paddle shifted dual clutch is just kind of run of the mill. So it, it's a WRX. Yeah automatic with that as an option just seems like a no-brainer i, I don't understand why it's like they, they jumped from the 5vat uh automatic transmission kind of to the cvts and they've they've never looked back and it, it's just been all in on cvt ever since and, I, and again i know that there's some efficiency from like fuel economy standpoints that i think i think is probably the main reason for it but now that you have like these eight-speed automatic transmissions, they're yeah. they're picking up a lot of that efficiency. But it's it's a more durable yeah, design, it has better performance, and yeah. better efficiency. Yeah. So. And yeah. I know this is probably a older podcast at this point now, but I remember listening to one before I was here of yeah. you know about the Pikes Peak car, you know the option of going from the six-speed to the sequential. There's mm-hmm. nothing in between. Right. You know, you don't have a DCT that you can yeah. play with or even experiment with right. that could work. Right. You know, so even having an automatic that, you know, like Dylan was saying, we've kind of done some research and there's ones with, you know, some upgraded parts and stuff that seem to be pretty, pretty good that, oh, yeah. you know, you could probably, in assuming, do something like that to a newer automatic too, Yeah. that even if it wasn't the strongest eight speed, yeah, you know there may be applications for that on the track or yeah, something like enough, that. Even. Yeah, it's just I mean, you could do it. It's just you know when you're if it's a daily driven car, especially playing around with the transmission to that extent. Yeah, a is, lot. Yeah, it's risky. I mean, even 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 converting an automatic car to a manual car, like like yeah. let's say wanting to do mine. <laughs> yeah, we we were talking about at some point where. The only Forester turbos that were available were automatics. Well, what, could you get one and then six-speed swap it? And the answer is yes for some of them. For the newer cars, some of them get real complicated. Once once you get into CAN bus, that get that gets tricky. There was a, we talked to Brian from iWire all about that a while back. Um, but you could you could certainly do it. But if you did and it was your daily driver, like would it would you still be would it, would you have the functionality and the reliability? Would it be enough, or would it be something where like it would just be a little bit it's not quite the same as if the car came with it yeah and i guess you know to kind of speak on that daily driving piece of it you know like i said i do have a bit of a commute and Mm -hmm. this was before i was here and i haven't had any recently but the four eat issues this is i think the third transmission in my car wow yeah so you know 
things happen. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But, um, you know, I don't know, again, like you were saying, compared to a CBT, like... Is it is it actually that much of a that, difference? That's yeah, fair. so... In my research, yeah, I found all kinds of stuff. You know, they have the clutch slipping issues, mm-hmm. there's valve body issues with the 4 ATs, yeah. and, you know, there's valve body issues with the CBTs, too. So, yeah, I would love to know, from a really technical side, like, what the statistics were that actually drove Subaru to just dive into the CBTs and say, you know what, we're going all in on these. And efficiency, and yeah, hopefully they're at least similar as far as failure rates because, yeah. yeah, Well, but the CBTs are way more efficient. (laughs) Yeah. So so that's that's why they went all in on that. Um, Because they're trying to get a 36 MPG fleet average. And and with all-wheel drive, there's a lot more drag. Um, And so that was kind of what they looked at is, is really... That was the only option because, like the the four ATs, the five DATs, they were not getting anywhere near. They were they were not getting yeah. close to that efficiency. That that's the big advantage that the CBT brings. So I I bet you that what it is is they figured well, here's the failure rate. The failure rate's going to be in the ballpark of the same, but mm-hmm. like you're getting an extra five to seven MPGs on average with the CBT versus the four EAT. That's where they made the jump, and but then they're trying to make it better like mm-hmm. it is anybody that's a super person knows they've had some issues so like like once once they made that jump well now you've kind of made your bed you have to line it you got to figure these things out try and make it make it better but i don't know it's uh we'll see. come on subaru yeah eight speed automatic <laughs> or somehow release a cbt that's actually as good no, as an eight speed no. dual eight speed automatic <laughs> just like because I, I don't think that's physically possible i think the yeah. physics are just not there with the cbt i could be wrong but i just i don't yeah. think yeah. i don't I know don't enough think about it either but yeah. <laughs> it well, blows my mind and then especially when you do have to compete with things you know going back to that turbo macon yeah like you have other platforms that you know you could almost equal in power and, you know, yeah. you have the aftermarket support and everything for that, you know, you could really make something like that, but well, the Macan has a DCT that you can use too. <laughs> the, the, the Ascent is bigger than the Macan. If my choice was between a six-speed manual Ascent, like an STI six-speed manual Ascent, yeah. and the Macan with the DCT, I would probably go with the Ascent because, like, I, I have a WRX wagon and it's okay for a lot of things, but I like, there's some things where... I have a forerunner, an old forerunner that's yeah. that's bigger, and I just like that because it can do more things. If the Ascent had a manual transmission or or an eight-speed automatic or something like that, that would be much. I think that would be a much closer conversation, much closer decision to make versus just yeah. like. But like right now, like man, I'm, I'm a contour, it's, it's honestly got my wheels turning a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm scared about the problems. Um, <laughs> having yeah. having a, a BMW for a few years now and and kind of getting a window into. German electronics, German car, German engineering, and, and like the weird shenanigans that you can get into, that's that that gives me pause a little bit. Hmm. But like, yeah, it's it's tempting. Yeah, yeah. I think the ascent you pose an interesting idea. Like, there is a lot of potential for them in that. Like, if you had options for mods, a good transmission, like using that as like an off-road like overlanding vehicle would be something that's way more yeah. on the table for people kind of leaning into mm-hmm. the whole yeah. outback wilderness mindset and all of that so it'd be yeah. really crazy to see some people out like overlanding in a sense just like people are yeah. taking like those older like cayennes vw toregs and stuff out yeah 
Uh, what's, actually, which is, really I've, I've actually thought that that would be an interesting discussion, especially with the, the new Crosstrek Wilderness coming out and, and seeing how capable that car is. But it's still just a car that that has capability, but it's not it's not the same as like a truck. Yeah, yeah. there's reasons there's, people get a Forerunner or whatever yeah. or Tacoma mm-hmm. to go overlanding. Yeah, they want a, that extra a space. Baja Wilderness. <laughs> I'm well, in. Yeah. And, and yeah. there's there's I'm rumors that Subaru is doing that. That'd be cool. Fingers uh, crossed. The, the, the rumors there's rumors about a new Baja. There's rumors about a Subaru truck. Um, it's Subaru does, they're, they're coming out with the wilderness edition. So they know that there are people that want to do off-road stuff with Subaru. There are people that have been doing this for years and years. They're just now producing a car that, that gets you like much closer to what the end result that you would want, uh, would be if, if that's what you're doing. It, it, let us know in the comments if you think that this would be an interesting discussion. But I, I mean, to me, I think, I don't know why Subaru hasn't really taken that next step. And made like a truck chassis, and then put an SUV on the truck chassis, like the next generation mm-hmm. ascent. They would have like be cool. a much more like a high load yeah. transmission, high load transmission. And locking dips I mean, or something. Could you like, imagine 100%. a Tacoma style Subaru? That would be pretty cool because people Which they could absolutely too. do. And yeah. and they have in other markets like in Australia, they have they, they have the high load transmissions for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, they they've done it. They they have some experience with it. They could easily do it. And, man, it would be really interesting to see a real off-road capable Subaru. Like, the Wilderness Editions are a step in that direction, but, like, ultimately, like, I think the Wilderness wilderness Editions, that's either going to be the end of it or that's just the beginning. It would be really crazy to see if, like, the split from Toyota that's supposed to be coming Mm. actually brings them into this place where they like try to compete with a forerunner or like a Tacoma market somehow. Yeah. Yeah. That would yeah. be really crazy. Come out I, with I a never Baja even actually I never thought like a of Tacoma it a competitor. That would be cool. I, I wonder if yeah. that's in part why they haven't gone down that road. Because Toyota has got such a lock on like the the, the Forerunner, the Rav four, yeah. the Tacoma in these like entry level but very off road capable vehicles. Hey Subaru, yeah, you don't do that. You you can have the all wheel drive. <laughs> well, they have all the TRD stuff that, like you yeah. were saying, you know, the wilderness is kind of either the end or the very beginning for right. a lot of people. Where the TRD is kind of that little bit more into the yeah. off road, even where yeah. you know you can buy more of a base model Tacoma, and it's still really good off road. Oh yeah, you know you don't have yeah. to have a TRD with the TRD skid plate and, you know, yeah. all these things to be able to go off-road no, on these trails. Like, that's all. something that is more towards that extreme. So seeing a Subaru that would be kind of a competitor for that, yeah. I think the Ascent would be a really good one even, but you know, like, if you could do something like that. Right now, my 20-year-old Forerunner would, I could leave an Ascent for dead. Oh, mm-hmm. And it's, it's 100% stock. Like, Maybe not a Solterra. From what we saw, <laughs> <laughs> true, that is true, and so maybe that maybe that's going to be where they where they go to the next thing. But like from a from a chassis strength standpoint, from a from yeah. uh, just an overall wheel clearance and all, like they could absolutely go that next step. I just I don't know. Yeah, if they will but I there's not a Subaru on the market other than maybe something like the Solterra that can really compete in yeah, that level. And in terms of base, clearance, like, like yeah, my my twenty year old Forerunners is still going to like yeah. Take the cake. Yeah. The irony is, is, I don't know if we could pull it out of a ditch because of how much the Solterra weighs. But that's, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's a whole EV thing. That's, uh-huh. that's a whole thing. All right. Well, as, as we're kind of winding down, 
any any final thoughts for for cars in this budget? I mean, it really seems like there there are some new cars, even with this thirty five thousand dollar budget, that are of interest that are that are tempting. But it seems like used cars, like a used car that's not going to eat up the whole budget, where you've got budget left, so you can use it to kind of yeah. fix it up, personalize it, customize it. That seems like for pretty much all of us, that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, I think my new car options, if I'm looking for all-wheel drive daily, probably a WRX, honestly, a 22 plus, it makes the most sense. Like, under that budget, yeah. you have, like we said, the base model at around 32, and then you can add some wheels and tires from there. Yeah. If I'm thinking, like, for myself, for, like, the rear-wheel drive platform I wanted looking forward new, I guess the Camaro was what I came to, you know, it was the yeah. best price to horsepower to... You know, it checked all the boxes that I wanted. And then, yeah, used, it seemed like there was just so many more options right now as far as piecing something together that you like yeah. really, really yeah. want um, yeah. that will check more boxes, right? Like, if you're looking for just a daily that has a warranty and is less thought, like, way easier to pick one of these options that we've laid out. Like, yeah. even the Mercedes or the... Elantra N, like these are yeah. great cars yeah. with warranties that are yeah. a little peppy, might not check all your boxes, but they'll get you there and it's something nice to ride in. But then, yeah. you know, used, like you said, I didn't even price this out because I have one, but like a GR STI hatchback comes well under that price point right now. You get yeah. a lot of money for mods if you're yes. sticking to the $35,000 guns. <laughs> It, it, and I didn't consider it too in depth because just I know what I know mm-hmm. in that like it, I would have to know that the car was well cared for, well maintained. I'm not yeah. going to buy something that was like tracked within an inch of its life, had had multiple inches put into it, and then now it's returned to stock ish. Mm-hmm. And like how much how much trouble am I getting into? Yeah, I could work through that, but it's like if I'm buying something that's going to be a daily driver, like mm-hmm. that could take. A month or two, and like I mean, yes, if you got the budget, you, you could do it. But like, yeah, a lot of times when you buy something, you're, yeah, are you yeah. are you excited? I just want to get into it and drive it versus mm-hmm. like have it sit in my garage for the next three to six months and then get to do it. Yeah, and that's that, a real good point with the Camaro too. You could probably just go pick one of those up, or the Mercedes. Yeah. You can yeah. go to a dealership and be like, I would like this, and you don't I would have like to that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yeah. you know, you don't have to spend that. You know, like I was even saying with the Mini Cooper, if there's yeah. other things that you would want to do, it's a lot of time and effort past that that some of us want to do, some of us don't. Yeah. But then you also don't have the warranty either. Yeah. Where, you know, yeah. you buy a Hyundai, there you have a 100,000 mile warranty. True. If that's True. really important for your daily driver. The, the, really, uh, the other really interesting consideration here is, like, I will speak personally, I've never spent close to this much money on a car to date yeah. in my life. Um, it's really interesting how challenging it is to find a new car that is enticing in this price point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, which is that too, like if I'm looking at new, like for me, like I need to be excited about the car. Like if I'm going to spend more money than I've ever spent before on a car, there's got to be some kind of enthusiasm there, some, some excitement about it. Otherwise, well, I'll get like the, this Macan Turbo. I'm super curious. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I may have to go and drive one just to see what it's like. Because man, if that's 
I don't know, 30 grand, 25 grand, and it's, it puts a smile on your face, and it's like, hey, for my commute, this is gonna, this is gonna be a game changer. That's that's kind of what I'm looking for versus like something where like I don't want to spend that much money and feel like I'm making a compromise. Right. I yeah. I feel like right now in the new market, that's all it is. Like if right. you really want right. something that has a warranty and it drives pretty well and checks most of your boxes, you're gonna compromise, but you can find some options. Whereas right. 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 right now in the used market, there are a ton of options. It's just you have to be willing to work for your goal and like, take yeah. that time. Yeah. And if you can do that, like, and I, there's and I think tons shopping. of stuff you can do in shopping. I, I think, yeah. I think cause the, the used market, it seems to be softening a bit. There's, there's more, there's rarer cars, cooler cars that are coming up at a more reasonable price point. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun to like try and find that diamond in the rough. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, took me, I think six months to find my Forester. Yeah. Because it was one of the only XTs of yeah. that year that I wanted. Then, yeah. You know? So, it's kind of that, <laughs> too. If, if you're spending a good chunk of money, I mean, that, that enthusiasm, that excitement, I mean, that's... Like, the hunt is can be fun all, all on its own. And then you find the car that's in the right shape, it's the right color, and, and then you drive it home. Like, that's... There's definitely... Yeah. There's some excitement there. And I would yeah. even say... And this is kind of down a whole other rabbit hole. So... Don't okay. have to, All right. but it's like, you know, when they were announcing the GR Corolla yeah. and that kind of thing. The MSRP yeah. is, you know, under 40000 or was very well, close it's to. Like, it's so it's yeah. like, you know, can you actually find something for MSRP like that Mercedes? You may actually oh, be looking probably. at 30, you know, well more than that. You could be looking closer to 40 depending on a dealership yeah. or, you know, something weird like that. So... Mm. There's a lot of like, I think, brand new cars that could come in MSRP, right at that thirty five. That would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's that area you gonna actually find one. So the so the GR Corolla, I thought about that. The thing is, is that the one that's let, let's call it thirty five with the stretch is the base base one mm-hmm. that doesn't have the diff package. Yeah. Uh, so it's got basically open diffs front and rear, and to me, it's like. It's the, it's the excitement. Okay, if I know that I'm buying this GR Corolla that doesn't have the diffs that I really know that I need and want, because that I think that package starts at forty. Yeah, I I'm not going to spend the thirty five and then in compromise. In compromise. Right. Yeah, like that 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 to me was too big of a compromise in that budget, and it it largely is irrelevant because it doesn't matter because yeah the, the sticker is thirty five and you're going to be charged like forty five or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a bummer in and of itself. It's like how many more of those cars could they have sold if they would have produced more so that there wasn't such a markup? But is that even what they wanted? I don't know. It's like in that same boat as the TRD Camry. They right. produce quite a lot of those. They're yeah. around that 35. I think they're slightly more, which is yeah. kind of why I didn't bring it up initially. But, you know, they mass produce those. And sure. it's a pretty cool, like, four door yeah. sedan. So, yeah. But again, mm. yeah. Yeah, we're getting marked up. Yeah, but there's this the, the has fact a is badge, and so that costs money. But at this price point, that there's just not a whole lot of options, and there, yeah. but there's like, hey, if you like, if we were going to spend forty thousand dollars, there'd yeah. be a handful more cars to talk about here. GR Corolla would would potentially come in based on sticker, but like forty thousand dollars now, I mean, couldn't. Well, now we're getting into, like, a real. 
Yeah, you're getting close I'm, I'm to more, three series. Yeah, that, that's a that's a large sum of money, and and I I don't know. I mean, I, again, it's more. It's now way more than I've ever spent on a car. Like how much? Yeah. Well, let's you just keep adding five thousand dollars, and all of a sudden, well, yeah, I don't know, just buying five thousand dollar whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's buying a car. It's it's definitely weird, which is you know why I thought this would be an interesting conversation. So, yeah, I think that is as good a place to end on as any. So, if you listen to this point, let us know what you think. What what would you buy if you had thirty five thousand dollars to buy a daily driver? What would yeah. you buy? Leave it in the comments. Um, and let us know. Curious. Yeah, Hashtag let us know what you think about chaser. <laughs> Hashtag chaser. Yeah. I mean, um, I and let us know what you think about the wilderness edition stuff and Subaru's offering. Let let us know if you think we should uh, like dig into that more, do a topic on that, something like that. So, yeah. Well, uh, thanks so much for for watching. Thanks for your support as always. And until next time, stay tuned to Flatirons Tune. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Flatiron Syndicate Motorsports Podcast. Once again, we'd like to let you know that your support is what makes this show possible. Be sure to check out our online store at flatironstuning.com for any of your aftermarket or OEM Subaru parts needs. And as always, stay tuned with Flatirons Tuning.